Welcome to the Solely Human Podcast. My name is Jasmine Naomi and I'm your host. If this is your first time tapping into Solely Human, I am a clinical therapist that is currently working with foster youth. So I'm a social worker. My degree is in social work, but right now I'm practicing as a clinician and I wanted to make a podcast. So I did. This is my podcast. And on this podcast, we talk about a bunch of different stuff, uh, usually in conjunction with mental health and healing. So thanks for being here. I took a little break for the past uh, two to three weeks. I had to re-center myself. I had to ground myself. There was a lot of things going on. And so I needed to take a step back for my own mental health and kind of just, you know, give my body what it needed, rest, water, good food, time with people I care about, and focusing on what I needed to finish at work. But I'm back, and I'm so excited to be back. Quick life update. For the past almost a year, I was working for the county that I live in. I was providing individual, family, and group therapy for the justice involved. So the clinic was specific to forensics, meaning all of my clients were previously in jail, previously in prison, or were in a mental health program to keep them from being incarcerated, to kind of break that cycle of just people committing crimes and then going to jail or prison when their crimes were in fact uh, attributable to their mental illness. So That was a chunk of them, but typically it uh, was adults that were previously incarcerated that are now trying to uh, transition back into society and kind of regain their life, you know, trying to work, trying to get a place to stay, trying to work on their mental health so they can do those things, trying to get on medication and trying to work through substance abuse. A lot of my clients had co-occurring diagnoses, meaning that in addition to the mental health diagnosis, there was also a substance use diagnosis. So they're either in recovery or trying to work towards being in recovery. I loved my job. I loved being there. I loved working with my clients. I loved working with these humans and with my team and just the people that I got to meet in the process and the therapeutic connections that I was able to make. I loved it. However, if you guys have ever heard about county work in general, it's government. So uh, overworked, underpaid, way too much paperwork. That was, it was insane. So As much as I loved it, I had to reevaluate because my mental health was not doing great. And although I enjoyed being there, I was uh, running on fumes most of the time. So I decided this is not what I need to keep doing, at least for this time. My hope is to at some point go back to working with forensics. But for now, I had to get out of there. So I did saying bye to my clients sucked. If you've ever had a therapist that you really enjoyed and you guys were able to work with each other for a long time and or if you are a mental health professional and you've had clients you've worked with for a long time, then you know that it sucks to have to say goodbye to your therapist 
or, you know, say goodbye to clients. So that was a rough two weeks. That was the week prior to last. So that was a whole learning process in itself. Since I am a newer clinician and I've only been doing this for a couple of years, it's not often that I've had to say bye to clients and kind of end the therapeutic relationship. So it was a learning experience, definitely. So I say all that to say that update one being that is done and in the past. Update two being that this was the first week where I did not have to work for them and be in that position. And I have been able to rest. I have been able to replenish myself with uh, nature, with friends, with good food and sleep, lots of sleep. So I'm feeling uh, significantly more put together. So (laughs) that's great. Uh, I did already start my new position. So I was actually doing both for a little bit of time, but that's another thing. But I started my new position and I'm going to be working with foster youth. I did this prior to working in forensics. So before working for the county, I worked with uh, foster youth for about a year and now I'm back. However, the difference is now I'm working at a STRTP, a short-term residential treatment program, otherwise known as a group home. Before, when I was working with the kiddos, I was doing outpatients. So they were in foster homes and I was providing them therapy. But these kids are in a group home. It's an all boys group home. And they're between the ages of six and 16. So wide range there. They do separate them by age into two different little into two different spaces where they stay, but they're both, both groups of kids are on the same campus. So it has been awesome. I mean, they're intense. These kids are intense. The reason you are in an STRTP is typically because either you have been stepped down from being at an inpatient at a hospital or uh, you're too high risk and your behaviors are too high risk to be in a foster home. So the next level up from a foster home, if you've been in multiple foster homes, is you go to an STRTP. So these kids are definitely high needs, high severity, and they are wild in a lot of the time. But they are awesome kids. Kids in general, humans in general, do not behave a certain way without some type of reason for behaving that way. So on the podcast, we talk a lot about trauma-informed stuff. And as you can imagine, these foster kids, they have a, a good amount of them have a pretty intense trauma history. Obviously, if they are in an STRTP, they've been taken out of the care of whoever was their caregiver before. I don't want to say parents because a lot of the time it's not parents. Sometimes it is, but I don't know. It could be a grandparent, an aunt or something. So they've been removed from their caregiver's care due to some type of confirmed report of abuse or neglect. So all of these kids have trauma histories. 
The reason I wanted to give this life update was to give a little bit of context on what I've been doing clinically because it has been really interesting and difficult to see the circle, the generational trauma circle. Like I said briefly, I was doing both for about a couple months. And so during the week, I would work with my adults, justice involved. And then during the weekend, I would work with my foster kids. In doing both, guys, the cycle is just so prevalent. I can't think of one. And I had a caseload of anywhere between 50 to 70 when working for the county. Uh, If you're not familiar with outpatient mental health, that is not normal. Typically, you're anywhere between 18, uh, maybe 26, but typically 18 to 25 clients. So at the county, I was seeing anywhere from 50 to 70 adults. Not one of them sat in front of me and had a great life history. Every single one of my clients in doing their assessments or in reading up on their assessments, if someone else did it and I was just taking on their weekly therapy, there was trauma. Some type of significant loss or multiple significant losses, uh, some type of abuse, some type of neglect, and or some type of significant exposure to violence in the home or outside of the home. All of my adults had a trauma history and a good amount of them were in foster care. So during the week, I would, you know, provide their therapy. All of them had different things that they were working on, different goals that they were working towards, and all of them had different uh, mental health diagnoses. So Each adult, very different, uh, very different life circumstances, very different presenting problems, but all of them shared a similarity of having a trauma history. The adults that I was working with were struggling in their relationships. They were struggling to keep work. They were struggling to maintain their housing, and they were struggling with just each day feeling okay, you know, feeling good or even neutral. And again, most of these clients had been incarcerated at one point. So keep in mind that most of these clients having been incarcerated, again, they these are the adults that had a trauma history and a lot of them were in foster care. So like I said, they have difficulty with these domains of life are what we call them. Then after Monday to Friday, I would go into the weekend and work with my kiddos, six to 16. These youth are struggling to not get expelled from school, not get suspended from school, trying to make friends. Sometimes they struggle with um, basic hygiene and they definitely struggle in all of their relationships. So I mentioned make friends, but every other relationship, like in working with the staff or teachers or whatever family they do have in their life, they also have a lot of difficulty in these different domains of life. 
if we were to compare them, my kiddos struggle with these things now. If some type of intervention doesn't happen or if the kiddo isn't given new examples or isn't given new, basically new skills to to work through the things they're going through now. So we have this kiddo and then we look at my adults where they continue to have difficulty in these things, in these areas of life. In addition to most of them being addicted to some type of substance for years at this point. So I had a lot of clients between the ages of 30 and 50, all of them still working through their addiction, still trying to work in their recovery. When I think about these two, these two different people, I really just see the same kiddo later on in life with higher stakes. This is not to generalize or minimize. This is just to make the comparison that as adults, if we have not received some type of healing or if we do not undergo some type of healing and don't receive some type of support with everything that's happened in our upbringing, then what reason is there for us to expect something different from adults in regards to how they're supposed to function and communicate and live daily just because they're adults? I'm trying to figure out what needs to happen between point A and point B to just see a different outcome. The kids in my group home, they have services available to them and they're receiving therapy and they're receiving ongoing treatment. That being said, some of them don't wanna be there. Some of them really don't care. Honestly, that's the majority of them. And if I were them, I I wouldn't blame, I, I would feel the same way, honestly, because sometimes my kids don't have any contact with any family. Uh, they don't have like a permanency plan, meaning they're not sure what's going to happen in the future and or the family that they do have, they have monitored visits with. They just have a lot of things going on. And so as much as we as the staff are there for them and we're there to support them, they're not really usually willing to have that support. And it's understandable if you look into their history and try to understand why they're so resistant to want help from anyone or resistant to be vulnerable with anyone or resistant to just engage in general. The adults that I work with, um, some people have difficulty working with or the idea of working in the forensics because these people have been to prison. They have been to jail. They have done uh, bad things. So I specifically wanted to work with the justice involved because I just refuse to believe that people just do bad, crazy shit just because, honestly. And again, like I said, all of these adults had very similar history, if not the same as my kiddos. But we as a community find it significantly easier to have empathy towards youth than we do towards adults. Because in our mind, adults are supposed to behave a certain way. 
and they are expected to do certain things because they're adults and need to provide for themselves or provide for others. But a lot of my adults were just wounded children in adult bodies that were not given the opportunity or the support or the understanding or the safe space to heal and grow and learn. And how do we learn? By trial and error. And that this is in in regards to everything, in their own relationships, in trying to work a job, in trying to keep housing and, and understand how that works, in how to take care of themselves with hygiene or their medication or getting physical care. My adults had a lot of trauma. And as they got older, because when we do the assessment, we do a lot of timelines to see when things happen to better diagnose them. But all of my adults had trauma and a lot of them uh, were addicted to something at some point, anything from meth, heroin, coke, weed, any and all of them at some point or another, and were either in this day right now trying to work through that or had been in recovery for a few years, a few months, but a lot of them had been to rehab a few different times. So if we look at substance abuse, typically we are using the substance for a reason. We're using it to fulfill an underlying need that we have that maybe we don't know we have or we just don't want to address it. So then it would be really hard for my adults to work on their mental health because working on your mental health while you are actively addicted to anything is extremely hard. I don't want to say impossible because uh, of harm reduction. This term basically means that instead of saying, whatever the bad habit is, I need to stop tomorrow ASAP and then just being done with it. It takes a more realistic approach to how the human body and mind functions. So with my clients, let's say they're doing heroin uh, five times a week. A goal for next week would be to use four times instead of five times. And then the following week, maybe use three times instead of five times. Some people find uh, this idea of harm reduction really, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with a C, contradict, not contradicting. Like when some people have an issue with something and other people don't. I'm going to be completely honest. I really tried to look this word up right now because it's going to drive me crazy and best believe I'm going to remember at some time in the next 48 hours, either in the middle of the night, I'm going to open my eyes and be like, that was the word. Or I'm going to be driving, jamming out. And then in the middle of the song, I'm going to know the word, but that's going to drive me crazy. Uh, Ooh, those of you that are listening that have my number, you're probably going to text me. Please text me. I know you know what word I'm talking about. It's the word that starts with a C when it's like people are really iffy about something and they're not okay with something because I don't know, maybe it poses some type of like moral dilemma or goes against their values or something. It starts with a C. A lot of people find the concept of 
harm reduction to be input word here. I'm just going to just going to work around it, but people sometimes find uh ideas like this hard to uh comprehend or work with because they're like no, they shouldn't be doing this thing in in the first place. No, why are we going to encourage them to continue doing this when they just need to do this instead? Well, actually, you know, guys, it's just called being realistic and uh in reality, as humans, we all have a hard time with different things. So to say that certain things should not be done, well, that's besides the point. If you have a human in front of you that is working through something, in order to help them get through whatever it is, you're going to make realistic goals. We're going to be empathetic. We're going to be understanding and we're going to educate ourselves on what it is they're going through to better support them with this. Because if you're coming off of something, sometimes it can be dangerous to just, you know, stop cold turkey. Like the body might not be prepared for that. So like I was saying, a lot of my adults would have difficulty working on their mental health because they were still working through their addiction. However, the two are very interconnected. We're going to talk more about this next week. So I hope you guys tune in. Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Jasmine Naomi and I am your host here on the Solely Human podcast. Episodes do release weekly on Mondays on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The original music you're listening to is by Nathan Salau and all editing was done by Kevin Spire. Thank you guys. Have a great week.